Hello, folks, and welcome to the Knickknack Podcast, Season 11, Episode 21. No, I don't hear voices. And in this episode, I'm gonna uncover. I'm gonna cover uh, my take on an unquiet mind by Kay Jameson, and uh, talk about a number of other things. So grab your favorite beverage, grab your favorite tobacco product, and we'll get started. So, An Unquiet Mind uh, has, uh, I I got knowledge of that book through uh, this uh, uh, Abnormal Psychology podcast that I've been listening to, uh, which I linked on the show notes for the last uh, show, and I will link again. Uh, you can get the show notes at nicknackjack.net, N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K.net, November, Indio Charlie, November, Alpha Charlie, Juliet Alpha Kilo, dot November, Echo Tango, and uh, the notes will be available to you. So, um, I read An Unquiet Mind uh, by Kay Jameson, and um, boy, what a ride that was. Um, she describes mania quite well. Um, a mania that I thank God I've never experienced. I've certainly experienced hypermania um, and uh, some derivative of a larger mania than hypermania, but um, I have not experienced mania with psychosis. Um, so that's why I titled this episode No, I Don't Hear Voices because uh, it's always been kind of an internal check in my mind with lots of stigma attached to it uh, whenever I've gone into you know get uh, psychological services and you get the question do you hear voices that others you know don't report hearing and it's like no I don't I've never heard them and you know only a crazy person would hear voices would be my internal monologue thinking about that question but um, you know we need to take the stigma away from phrases like that because um, apparently mania can come with psychosis. And of course, um, schizophrenia for, as, uh, you know, for that disease's case, it, uh, most times, uh, if not always comes with psychosis. And, you know, just because you experience psychosis doesn't mean that you're, you know, cuckoo for cocoa puffs or whatever other derogatory term you might want to use. So, uh, even my own internal monologue, I've got to watch that because, uh, you know, I suffer from mental illness. I know a lot of other people that suffer from mental illness, and, you know, you don't want to be shamed by being uh, the target of uh, such strong and um, dismissive language. Uh, so we've got to be careful with what we say about that. Um, and Miss Jameson, um, says that she prefers the term um, manic depressive over bipolar because she feels like it describes the experience better, uh, describing the two poles, as it were. Um, I remember hearing the term manic depressive um, as it was brought up in my childhood, um, and manic depressive was the official term at that time. I'm that old. Um, now bipolar is the official term. Um, I 
don't have any strong emotions one way or the other. Um, bipolar is the term I use because that's what the DSM-5 calls it, so um, I'm just following the standard there. But um, I don't know. The fact that she carries some emotional connection with the terminology is interesting. Um, you know, it does become... The diagnosis does become part of your character and a part of who you are. Um, and she talks a lot about, you know, the process of coming to terms with the diagnosis, you know, first denial, then, you know, um, okay, I'll accept it. Now, doctor, what do I need to do? Oh, you need to take prescription, and here you go. And then you go through this process of, no, I don't want to take the prescription. It's not for me. This is not right. And then, um, you know, there are obviously lots of people that struggle with that process for years, not wanting to take the medication, or maybe you can't afford to get the medication, um, whatever the case may be, you go through uh, what it's termed clinically as non-compliance. Um, sometimes, if you're lucky or if you're um, determined enough, you can get through the non-compliance stage and uh, actually see what the treatment does for you. Um, you know, in my case, I'm still at that process where I'm seeing what the treatment does for me. It's an ever-evolving process. Uh, Kay Jameson kind of depicts it as, um, you know, having some evolutions throughout the course of the book. But for her, once she found that, once she found lithium, uh, that was what did it for her. And it was just a matter of adjusting the dosage of lithium to give her a happy balance um, and some sense of homeostasis within the mood cycling. Um, but she also had uh, other things going on, relationships throughout the course of the book. The thing that stood out for me about Kay Jameson um, and her book and her account was the fact that she was able to get through her undergrad and her PhD and practice medicine in the psychological field. Uh, Well-being bipolar and well-being bipolar with having uh, episodes of psychosis. Um, that is absolutely astounding. I really am amazed that she was able to do that, and it gives me some hope that I might be able to do something similar, and the fact that I don't have psychosis in my way uh, is encouraging as well. So, you know, I've been thinking that, you know, this obsession with psychology and you know, taking, listening to these abnormal psychology lectures and thinking about going back for the MFT and, you know, uh, thinking about volunteering, all this stuff. I've been thinking, well, you know, this is an increased in goal-directive activity. Is this hypomania that I'm looking at? And I think in some ways it was. Um, I've now moved past that a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, when I look at an, an unquiet mind and the story that it tells, of someone that had uh, manic depressive slash bipolar uh, with psychosis but still managed to be a relatively functional member of society, um, that's encouraging. That gives me hope, and I'm afraid of hope because, uh, you know, if the hope doesn't come through, then you can, you know, find yourself at a crash. But uh, it does give me some hope, so that is worth thinking about. Um, she also uh, has many interesting relationships throughout the book. Um, kind of, you know, has a 
relationship that started with her first husband. I think that it started before she got sick. Um, it kind of survived when she was having a manic bout with psychosis. Um, and then it kind of fell apart. Then later she um, spends a lot of time in England. And I'm an Anglophile too, so I connected with her on that. Um, and she meets this guy David, and David unfortunately dies, and she has to deal with, you know, her emotions surrounding that, but it's all, she comes to an acceptance while spending time in England, um, and the effect this has on her is, is really interesting. The fact that it didn't send her into a massive depression, uh, was really interesting, and a testament to what lithium can, lithium can do, I guess. Um... But uh, then she ends up with, I think, her current husband towards the end of the book, um, and they're very different. Uh, they don't complement each other, and, you know, it's kind of interesting that he doesn't necessarily understand all her passions, but they connect on a, on a level that's sufficient for, uh, you know, what seems to be a healthy romance. So it's interesting having seen her gone through you know, relationships that were very emotional, very emotion-driven, and very connecting on between the two people, you know, um, uh, you know, sameness attracts uh, sort of type of relationship, and have that be what drives a relationship to kind of an opposite, uh, being with somebody opposite of you, and have that work. Um, and then, of course, towards the end of the book, she some, comes to some sort of level of acceptance, uh, and from what I've heard, she has several more books, one of them um, on the uh, association between creativity and uh, bipolar disorder, which I'm very interested in, um, because my psychology, Psych 101 term paper way back in college was on uh, creativity and its association with uh, mental illness, because I think there are a number of other illnesses besides bipolar that... Uh, have an effect on creativity, and if you look back on, um, you know, what I term self-actualizers uh, in the past, I think they have a strong link to what we term and think of as creative individuals, because, you know, to be abnormal, in, in abnormal psychology terms, you have to, you know, have some impairment in functioning that's unique, that makes it so that you struggle, you know, to confine with the norms, but equally, to be creative, you know, to think outside the box, it may just take being what some would consider mentally ill in order to uh, to be able to think creatively and to challenge uh, what is thought of as the norm and what what direction society should be taking. So uh, I do think that's interesting and it warrants more study. And in the texts I've read, uh, there is some mention of it in a number of places. It'd be interested to I'd be interested to study further, but um, as I was studying my uh, abnormal psychology textbook and uh, going through lectures this weekend, I came upon a section on hoarding as I was looking through um, kind of the anxiety disorders and obsessive compulsive disorder and some of that stuff. Um, and I looked around my apartment and went, "Oh shit." So, uh, I got rid of a whole big box, but as I was carrying it downstairs, I missed three steps, um, and consequently sprained the area around my knee, 
so I haven't been entirely bedridden. I've got a cane, which I kind of been I was kind of using for about a day or two. Um, but it certainly made things very painful and made it impossible for me to go to game night on Monday, which was becoming a big part of my uh, kind of new world and path of um, growth, so to speak, as I've been talking about through the last couple weeks. Um, so that hit me kind of hard. The fact that I didn't do that was not a good thing. And then, um, same problem, the fact that I, you know, I'm limping around and it's painful. You know, I'm thinking, well, it's going to be painful to walk several blocks or even to walk about a block. And that's how much walking it takes to get from the bus stop to my psychologist's office. So I called my psychologist and canceled. Um, and that was a dumb idea, despite the pain, um, because I, you know, I need to see my therapist. It is a very structured, very productive, uh, thing for me. Um, and I will attest to the importance of seeing a therapist because it helps me cope uh, on a weekly basis. And when I don't get to do that, it's not good. And my you know, I think I've gone from a state of hypomania to a state of depression uh, just within the last couple of days because I didn't go to game night and because I didn't see my psychologist. Um, and it's amazing, you know, two little things, relatively little things, can shift and move that dramatically. Well, that and hurting my leg to begin with. So we went from, uh, okay, I'm constantly studying psychology, I'm working my way through this abnormal psychology course, I'm doing all this stuff, hypomania sort of stuff, to uh, depression that quick, and, you know, I'm not enjoying flight sim, and I'm kind of trying to figure out a way to while away the hours, um, because I'm in this state of kind of waiting, because I mentioned uh, that I'm volunteering, um, well, I'm trying to volunteer, uh, more. That's one of the things that I'm working on because I want to get, um, you know, experience in mental health and trying to help others and see if uh, the mental health field is right for me, number one. Um, and then, you know, I need to fill my time, number two. So uh, I found an organization uh, where I could donate my time as a bipolar mentor. Uh, so in other words, helping other people with bipolar. Um, and, you know, I talked to the person that organizes it, and we had a very good conversation on Monday. Uh, got me thinking about a lot of things. Um, prim the primary one of which is, I have a lot of, uh, experience with the disease, or illness, or whatever term you want to use. Um, I am 33, almost, and I've had some sort of, you know, I've been... Um, under psychological care since the time I was four or five, something like that. So, you know, I definitely have had a lot of diagnoses over the course of my life, but I definitely have experience with mental illness and with uh, mood shifts. Um, so I think that I have the experience to talk and connect with somebody about uh, going through bipolar. Uh, I think I have, you know, some coping strategies that have worked for me. Uh, things like doing this podcast, which is a form of, you know, writing a journal or, or keeping a diary. 
that's a good coping strategy. Um, you know, another good coping strategy is doing things like game night, getting out more, um, you know, making sure you have a good social support network. Um, and of course, there's the obvious one, uh, the one that I keep avoid, avoiding doing, but, uh, you know, uh, having a full-time job or something that occupies your day, you know, volunteering, um, that's very important because it makes you, one, it fills your day with something. Uh, and two, it makes you feel like you're connected with something and most people's relationships. As I was talking to my therapist about recently, you know, most relationships are established through, through work. So that's another important kind of um, way that people connect with each other. So, you know, if I'm giving advice to somebody and they're saying, well, gee, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm not feeling very good, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed, what are some what are some things I can do? Well, I might say, okay, well, um, you know, see if, you know, one, just, just try and do small things, you know, try and make sure that you, you know, get, are able to get up and go to the bathroom if you're bedridden, that you're able to, uh, you know, go to the kitchen and make some food if you're bedridden, um, you know, start there, but then, you know, second thing, you know, you need you really should be in treatment so make sure that you're going to your therapist's office once a week if you can you know um possibly go out and you know see if you can find a support group that helps um you know so i might i might give them uh, advice along those lines um recognizing that i don't always follow the advice myself um and i think i could competently do that um, but I also kind of wonder what, what are the limits of the advice I can give? Um, uh, from conversations with perfect strangers, um, I've kind of got some insight into how psychologists might work in that, you know, you have to do a lot of active listening. Um, so, uh, you know, being careful to listen to a patient and if you're not sure about something, uh, make sure to ask questions. That's why they're always asking questions is to stay actively engaged and to make sure they're understanding what's going on. So I think that's an important tool that I can put into my toolkit. You know, always ask questions. Make sure that you're actively engaged. Um, and then I think when you combine that with, um, you know, my knowledge of the disease, my experience with the disease, um, and some of the coping strategies that I've used and some of the coping strategies that I've read about, I think um, there's a fair amount of content or there's enough there that I could pot potentially be helpful to somebody. Um, but I don't know what, what legally I'm allowed to, to do as a peer advocate, so I'm trying to clear that up a little bit. Um, but it's also this waiting game. You know, I, I kind of set up the initial interview. We did the initial interview on Monday. You know, it sounded like a good thing. I said, okay, I'm on board. Uh, they said, great, we'll send you, you know, the information you need and we'll get you through the next steps in the process. And now it's kind of waiting for the next step of the process and the waiting is killing me. And of course, meantime, uh, the continuing problem of I haven't gotten the disability a decision one way or the other in the mail yet and it's driving me insane because again external locus of control I can't control it and I'm having a hard time controlling worrying about it um, and in the meantime I've kind of slipped into this depression where you know um, 
flight sim isn't enjoyable, playing the sims isn't enjoyable, I tried that today. Um, my music selection has gone from, you know, kind of the classic rock genre to the 90s alternative genre, which to me signifies a shift in mood, not to the positive, but rather to the negative. Um, and it's not like I'm completely bedridden, but I'm definitely not feeling good, um, and I've got this knee slash leg thing that I'm dealing with and you know you feel kind of stuck in the house so it's you know it's understandable that I'm a little down in the dumps hopefully it won't get any worse hopefully um, me taking the time to kind of talk and process and work this through uh, will help um, and you know I do think I'm retaining a decent chunk of you know my hypomanic studies on uh, psychology and some of the diseases and such. Um, I'm reading uh, Bipolar for Dummies um, kind of to give me insight to help other people, but it, but it does you know, reinforce some of the things that I already know. Because um, um, I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't think of any other book that would give me kind of an informational overview of bipolar um, because there's obviously other books uh, like Kate Jemison's An Unquiet Mind uh, kind of de detailing uh, the experience of being bipolar um, but I couldn't think of any other books besides Bipolar for Dummies uh, that would really give me a nice kind of overview of not only the study of the disease itself but kind of ways to handle it and ways to deal with it and ways other people are handling it and dealing with it. Um, because I've tried going kind of to my local group um, and the thing that I find um, at, at, you know, the, the uh, local center for mental health, which is called the Iverson Center, which is run by North Valley Catholic Services, I think, uh, in a cooperation with the county's behavioral health department. Um, there's kind of this religious undertone to it, which you would expect, because it's run by the Catholic organization. Um, and then there's this element to it that, um, that, that there are a lot of people that are not as functional as me there and there's nothing wrong with people that are not as functional with as me um in fact that's those would be the people that i would might be able to help as people that are less functional than me um maybe i could even help people that are more functional than me in some ways and not as functional as as me and others um but what i am uh, finding uh, by going to the Iverson Center is that I'm surrounded by people that are less functional than me and it makes me feel uncomfortable to be a part of that, you know, to be inside of that group as opposed to some level above that group. Um, and it's a classist thing and it's, you know, there are problems with my stance on that. Um, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable there, that's the bottom line. So, um... You know, and that's my thing. Uh, that's something that I'm going to have to figure out a way to deal with. And I'm hoping by volunteering for this organization, um, I will be able to kind of connect with other people who are dealing with bipolar and dealing with bipolar and helping other people with it, because um, that would be a good thing. 
um, because not only can you help other people, I'm sure you could help each other. Um, and, you know, again, I'm really, I really do like this idea of helping other people. Um, you know, as I just detailed, I think, I think I do have some sage wisdom to share. Um, you know, am I always in a great place myself? No. But if there's anything I took away from an unquiet mind, it's that you don't necessarily have to be in a good place yourself or a great place yourself to treat other people. Um, you know, because here's Kay Jameson going through and treating other people while she's dealing with bipolar. And I'm sure there were times when she was depressed and she was still treating patient, patients. Um, the times where she got extremely manic, um, those were the times that she ended up in the hospital and obviously wasn't treating patients then. Um, but she was still able to treat people while dealing with the illness, um, which makes me believe that one, I can help people despite, regardless of where my illness may be, as long as it isn't too extreme in the depressive end or manic end. Um, so that gives me some confidence. And then again, the fact that she got her doctorate and, she, you know, she was battling depression the whole time, mania the whole time. Um, that gives me a little bit of hope. So um, I want to try and focus on, on the hope aspect of, of that as much as I can because I'm going to need it to get through uh, the recovery of this leg slash knee injury and then just waiting for kind of the next step in the volunteer process. Um, because it's, the waiting's the hardest part, as Tom Petty said. Um, and the other quote I wanted to work in here was about advice, you know, and a lot of this is all about, you know, kind of analyzing my experience and, experience and seeing if I could use it to give advice or help to other people. And I think of the sunscreen song, you know, and the quote goes something like this, advice is a form of Nostalgia, nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of scraping off the ugly parts from the disposal, wiping it off, and recycling it for more than it's worth. So uh, that's essentially what I want to do. Um, and, you know, one day be a professional. <laughs> um, which, it sounds silly and crazy. Um, but, hey, I'm bipolar, so what do you expect? Um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with all of this. Um, I'm... I'm I'm going I'm along for the ride somewhat um, as a passenger to my moods, but I am trying. I am working really hard to kind of be on top of it and being in control. Um, and you know, a lot of, there's a lot of activities. You know, there's this Simpsons episode, and it's making fun of something. I don't know what's what it's making fun of, but Bart basically breaks his leg in the middle of summer. Um, and he's stuck upstairs looking outside his window, kind of being Howard Hughesy, um, and watching the events of the summer unfold underneath him, uh, you know, and the, as the, as Lisa and her friends are playing on the swimming pool. Um, and that's kind of the experience I feel like I'm having with activism and other things that are going on in the world right now. It's like, I'm looking outside my window. Um, and I'm seeing what's going on, and I'm like, I want to play too, and I can't play. So, um, it's frustrating when you injure yourself, and, um, there are dangers to researching hoarding, apparently. Um, and I still have a mess in my apartment, and I'm still worried about being hoardy. So, uh, there's that as well. Alright, uh, I've got some editing to do, so I will do that. Hopefully this thing comes together okay.
Uh, I thank you so much for listening. Till next time, stay safe, stay sane, happy road running, happy landings. Bye.